today, this last uh, Sunday before the year ends. Uh, just as a general announcement, we will not be having our evening services tonight. We don't do a newsletter the last week of the year. And so if you get a newsletter, or you didn't get a newsletter, so you would not have known about that cancellation, but um, no service this evening. One of the things we like to do uh, at the beginning of the new year, at the close of this, this year, is to remember those uh, in our church family that we've lost this past year. Uh, for 17 years, we have averaged uh, and, and I mean within a couple, we have averaged seven members uh, every year go on to be with the Lord. Uh, this is the first year in that, this is the 18th year uh, that we've, we've only lost three of our, our brothers and sisters this year. So we're thankful for that. But at the same time, we grieve for those families and we remember that they're many, in many ways still mourning. And we always make it a practice to read their names of those who passed this year in the month in which they pass. So I want to begin with that. Uh, in January, we lost Ruth Lapish. And then in February, Marilyn Tilly. And then most recently in November, we lost Nancy Bowles. Uh, so we just want to pause and remember these families in our prayers. Uh, most of these we were close to, we can, even when we read those names and think about that, we can still feel the, feel the grief in our own hearts uh, some you may have known more so than others, but those of us who know, knew these folks uh, well uh, grieve their loss and we miss them. And so we just want to uh, just say a prayer for their family. So we'll begin with that this morning. Father, uh, we do thank you for grace. And Lord, you've extended that throughout this past year and we trust that it'll be available to us in the coming year as well. And Father, we just want to pause and lift up the families of those whom we've just mentioned these were our brothers and these were our sisters. Lord, we uh, knew them well. We lived our Christian lives with them. We served with them for many years. And, and Lord, we, they were our friends. And our hearts are heavy when we think about their absence. But Father, at the same time, we are joyful. And we know that they have entered into the fullness of your presence, the fullness of their inheritance. And Lord, they await now the resurrection of the body someday, which we ourselves will enjoy with them. And Lord, we just pray for these families that they would be comforted and strengthened, especially as they remember the anniversaries in the coming year of their passing of that loved one. Lord, I pray that um, their lives would be a, a testimony to their families. Some of these have family members who are lost and outside of Christ. And Lord, I pray that they might come to know Christ in their absence. So mostly, Lord, we thank you for letting us live with them for so many years. And Lord, we encourage one another as well that someday our name will be read here that our name will enter the memorial plaques and they'll there'll be a night where uh, those are put on the board and generations from now will come by and they'll see those names and they'll not even know who they are they'll just be names on the board but father we know that every name on those boards is a part of what you have done through the years through nearly a hundred years at diamond hill so we thank you for that great mercy. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me this morning, if you will, to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, New Year's messages are always sort of uh, mixed emotions for me. There's sort of an excitement of what might unfold in the new year, and then there's also a bit of pessimism in regards to that as well. Um, that's, a, that's expected. 
uh, if you look at the world today, it doesn't seem to me uh, that we are on a very good trajectory. Uh, if things continue the way they are, as one of the lines in Scrooge uh, we watched over the Christmas was, if things don't change, uh, then he saw an empty seat at that table. Uh, so I feel somewhat pessimistic if we stay on the trajectory we're, we're on as a nation, there will not be good days ahead for us. Uh, I would have never imagined in 365 days that we would have seen the things unfold in our nation and in our world that we've seen this year. In fact, I was standing in the back just thinking about that. It, it doesn't seem like a year was long enough for things to fall apart this bad. I mean, we're, we are falling apart on every corner. Morally, we've lost our educational systems. The once great Harvard and, and, and Puritan-founded Yale universities are now teaching things that would be absolutely contradictory to the Word of God that their founders would have desired. Our judicial system seems to be growing more and more untrustworthy and corruptible. Our political leaders on, on both sides, on both parties, all across the spectrum, seem to, be, uh, seem to stop short at doing anything to further their own goals. And, and we find ourselves trying to work every day and bring home the bacon and feed the families. And our hearts seem to be getting heavier and heavier with despair. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to send us off into the new year pessimistic. So I've been praying this week, Lord, what would I, what do I share today? What will you put on my heart to, to, to put some concrete under our feet in the coming year? Because last year hasn't been very stable and I'm not anticipating that the next will be either. So what do we need? And the Lord led me to Philippians chapter one, actually a singular verse there, verse six, but I want to read through verse 11. Paul begins, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge in all discernment. And so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, if we are to be encouraged today, worldly words and fleshly words will not suffice. We see the darkness, Father. We see the deterioration of our nation morally and in every other way. We see it expanding out into the world. And so, Father, we're 
superficial encouragement just won't do. It just won't suffice when things get dark. So, Father, we appeal to you today that you might extend grace and that you might extend mercy and open our hearts and our eyes to the, to the ground of Paul's competence, the, the ground of his comfort. We ought to be uh, eternal optimists as Christians, Father, but we feel the pessimistic attitude of our generation. And so, Father, I pray that we leave this place today encouraged in 2024. We don't know what the year will bring, but, Father, we pray that we might feel and experience the certainties that we have in Christ today. We ask in his name for his sake and glory. Amen. Paul's confidence is expressed there in those first few verses when he says in verse, verse 6, I am confident. And that's really where the theme came from for me this week because I'm, I'm interested in, in what is certain for Paul. And when Paul says, I am confident, I think he means in part, he gives in verse 5 and verse 7 a basis for that confidence. One was that their, their lives were evident in their participation in the gospel. So these are, these are gospel believers. These are Christians. And they have borne the fruit of Christians. And not only that, in verse 7, he says that they are partakers of grace with me. So, so Paul's confidence isn't, isn't in the, the type of people they are or their personalities or their ingenuity or in their skill set. It has to do singularly that they are born-again believers, one of whom he is. And that's where the confident rests. He's confident in these Philippians because he's seen the fruit of the Spirit born in their lives. So, so let me just say he's not expressing a confidence in the, believe, the unbelievers that might read this letter in Paul's day or today. There's no, there's no such confidence for those outside of Christ. In fact, pessimism is the, is the answer of the day for those apart from Christ. The trajectory of your life, if you are not a Christian, is devastating. It, is, it, it, it reeks of eternal condemnation. So that's a separate category. And I appeal to you, if you're lost today, to come to Christ. Or you truly have a pessimistic trajectory to your life. There will be no hope for you apart from Christ. But for the Christian, there, is, there are some certainties that Paul describes, and I'm more interested in the ground of those certainties today. And that's what I want to encourage you with. In fact, my confidence uh, in you, believers, is similar to what Paul expressed here. In fact, this exhortation on this eve of 2024 is grounded in the same confidence, both in the evidence I've seen of your having borne the fruit of the Spirit and the evidence I have seen of you, Christians and brothers and sisters, of having become partakers of grace with me. We are all grace partakers. And so I express the same confidence as Paul. I'm saying to you, as Paul said to the Philippians, I am confident of this one thing, and I am. In fact, if I wasn't, I'd be terrified of what 2024 will bring. I need something certain in my life. And that's what we need. 
But I want you to notice the preeminent ground of Paul's confidence. He's basically saying he's confident because, number one, that God is the one who is working. This is all coming from verse 6, by the way. He says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it under the day of Christ. He is God. God is at work in your life. In, chapter, in Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, Paul writes this, So then, my beloved, as just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, much more in my absence, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now listen, for it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. Paul could say this confident, could express this confidence because it was God who was at work in the Philippians. And I express it the same way today. If I, if I thought that there was, there was any hope for you to be working without God, I would have no confidence at all because you'll work hard today, but you won't work very hard tomorrow. I'll work hard this week, but I'll give up somewhere tomorrow. I won't work consistently and, and effectively in my own life. It is God who is at work in the Philippians and in you that is the basis for his confidence. That is extraordinary when you think of the God who works. I mean, God works. God has brought all of creation into existence. In fact, the scriptures say he sustains the world by the word of his power. So when God works, it is an effectual work always. God doesn't waste labor. He doesn't work in futility. When God is working, it is being effectual in whatever he aims to be accomplished. So it is God who is at work in you. That is the ground of our confidence in 2024. You can be certain of that. It is God who is at work in you. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, you hear me quote this often. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. He's referring to creation there, the power of the word of God. He is the one who has shown in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God's doing that. You didn't just get some light you, you didn't just dig in the scriptures and find some light. If you open the Bible and the light shone in your heart, it is God at work showing you the glory, his own glory in the face of Christ. You get my point. Without God at work in you, in you or in us, there is no confidence. You have no confidence. There's nothing certain if it is not God who is at work in you. Secondly, from that same verse 6, it is a work that began with God or the work that God began. It was initiated by God. This is not a work you worked up. It's not something you came up with the ideal for. Had you done that, then I would be worried that you would abandon that in 2024 when things got dark. But it's not a work that you began. He who began a good work in you. God initiated that work. John 3, 3 tells us this. Jesus responded and said to him, to this one who came to him and called him good teacher. What, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher. And Jesus responded and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Pardon me, that's Nicodemus. 
So there is a new birth that is prior to you seeing the kingdom of God. So he begins the work in you through the new birth. And the the new birth is prior to seeing the kingdom. So let me just say this really clearly. You didn't see the kingdom and then get born again. You are born again and your eyes were opened to the kingdom. And yes, you received it gladly. You embraced Christ and the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. But he began that work. Paul's confidence rests in the fact that it is God himself, the sovereign, almighty God of the universe at work within you. And he's doing a work that he himself initiated. That's the certainty of 2024. That's where the certainty rests. That God himself is working and that God began the work. In John 1, 12 through 13, Jesus, uh, John tells us, But as many as received him, Christ to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born, listen carefully to this, who were born not of blood, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now that's interesting because essentially he's saying this, this is my paraphrase, born again, not according to genealogy or heritage, Jew nor Gentile. Born again, not according to your own fleshly desires or religious impulses. Born again, not according to the the desiring of family, friends, and ministers, and churches. But born of God. These he gave the right to be the children of God. The ones who were born of God. The ones in whom he initiated this great work that he says now is ongoing in your life. That is, that is the ground of our certainty in 2024. And whether you realize it or not, that's the ground of what sustained you in 2023. How many here in this room had events unfold in ways in 2023 that you completely didn't expect? Show of hands. I could probably ask for a show of hands that, 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 would, that would also represent those who, for whom things unfolded in ways that they dreaded they might unfold. There'd probably be a few hands like that go up. What sustains you, believer, through that difficult year? It was the fact that it was the Almighty God at work in you initiating this work through the new birth. That's what kept you grounded. That's what ultimately keeps you grounded. None of these things can bring about the new birth, but God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know it well, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. The antecedent there for a gift is is the grace and the faith. It could be applied to both. So not only is the grace a gift of God, but it is the faith to believe that it is itself a gift of God that is produced in the new birth by the acting of the Spirit in the hearts of man. So you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Why? Because you and I would boast. <laughs> That's what he says, lest any man would boast. Paul was confident precisely because the work he recognized in them was a work began by God, and for Paul to express his confidence otherwise would actually work against the encouragement of the Philippians. If he said to the Philippians, look, things are going to get tough, you may be persecuted, but I believe in you people, he would have undermined their encouragement because things were going to get tough and some of them were going to cave in that moment. 
Paul's saying, no, my confidence is not in you, Philippians. My confidence is in God who began this work in you who is going to complete that work. That is a certainty. Let me say to you here today, believer, whatever 2024 brings, whatever the providence of God brings, whether it's kind and gracious providence or whether it is a bitter providence, God, you can be certain that the work of God in your life, those things were necessary for that to bring you to the conclusion that God has planned for you. And that might be for some of us a diagnosis of a terminal disease. That might be for some of us a a, a loss of a job. It might be for some of us all sorts of difficult things. It may be for some of us great blessing and prosperity and fruitfulness in this world. It may mean it may have multiple instruments. But what makes it certain is that God will complete this work in you. Paul did not want the Philippians to have some superficial confidence. Let me say, neither do I in 2024. I don't want you to leave this room assuming that things has got to go better than they did last year. I want want certainty for us. I want us to stand somewhere firm that when this world starts rattling and getting darker, we have light and we have somewhere to stand and that we're not easily shaken. And I'm worried about that, to be honest with you, because I think we starved congregations so long of the grace of God and the glory of Christ that they, they have no appetite for it. And there's going to come a day when that's the only thing that will satisfy them and they have no experience of it at all. And that's a frightening place for the church to be. Peter says, well, talks about the suffering of those believers, those who would believe. Number three, another encouragement here and a certainty is that it is a good work that he is doing. It is a good work because it is the work of a good God. He says that in verse verse 6, For I am confident of this very thing that he began a good work in you. Uh, This is fascinating, but try this sometime. Look in the concordance and look up all the references to good in terms of descriptions of God. These are just a couple. Psalm 25, 8, the Lord is good. The Lord is good and upright. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Psalm 145, 9, the Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. Psalm 38, uh, 34, 8, taste, I love this one, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This was a reference I cited earlier, Mark 10, 18. This guy comes to Jesus and says to him, Good master, how shall I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. So it's a good work because it's a good God doing the work in you. You see that? It would be contrary to the very nature of God to be doing a bad work in you. <laughs> to me, that's, it's simple, but it's glorious. It is a good work It is a good work that he is doing in you. I think sometimes we doubt that. I think we think sometimes because things unfold in in difficult ways for us that God must not wish us any favor. That God, I've even heard people say when things are going bad that God is somehow, I must be doing something wrong. Maybe not. Maybe God is doing something glorious in your life and maybe he's weaning you off of some dependency in this life that is robbing you of your joy in God. 
But we categorize things. If it's richness, if it's fullness, if it's success, God must be pleased with me. If it's difficulty, he must be dissatisfied with me. No, no. This is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. And if you are united to him, his pleasure is upon you. Yes, God does discipline as a loving father. And sometimes he brings difficult things in our lives. But sometimes he providentially allows success in our lives so that we'll get our feel of it and find out it's empty so that we might come back and find our fullness in him. It's a good work. God's going to be doing some work in you in 2024. Do you know it's a good work? It doesn't mean you any harm. It doesn't mean you any ill. If it's hard, if it's difficult, it is to set you apart and sanctify you as a, to become more in the image of Christ. It is a good work that he desires to do in us. And it is that because he is good by his very nature. It's also a good work in terms of what it accomplishes. Romans 8, 28, 29, all you Reformed people knew I was going to get here. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We had a saying in the country where I'm from, don't beat a dead horse. Well, if this is a dead horse, I'm going to beat it till the cows come home. Because that is exactly what Christ is doing, God is doing in your life in 2023 and in 2024. He is conforming you to the image of Christ. That is, that is His described good for you. It is not to make you satisfied and, and comfortable in luxury in this life. He may provide for that and he may deprive you of that, but it's to the same end that he might conform you to the image of Christ. See, God already knows that's for our good. Our problem is we don't know that's for our good. We think we have a, another good somewhere, but God is doing a good work in you because he is by nature good and because it accomplishes what he intends it to accomplish. Listen, if you're a Christian today and you want anything more than you want conformity to Christ, to be Christ-like, then you have wrong priorities. You are valuing a good that God does not value and you are devaluing the good that He does value. And that is that you be like Christ. Christian, that's God's work in you in 2023. And he's working to accomplish that purpose in you. Conformity to Christ is the good end of God's working in you and I. The question for us in 2024 is that, is that the good that you desire? Events in the coming year will unfold for us in, in ways that we can't even imagine. And for some we will give thanks for as good things from above, Others will be challenging, challenging for us to see the good. In both, in both, the working of God will be towards our good, our conformity to Christ. You know, it's taken me, it's taken me all of my Christian life for that to begin to be understood as my good. That's how difficult this is. I... I read about Christ and I admire Christ and I exalt Christ in my heart and I say, oh, 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 Christ is glorious. And it's hard for me to get my mind around the fact that God is, God is, is conforming me to that image that I might 
have fellowship with the Father in the way that Christ did, that I might commune with the Father, that I might reflect the glory of God or the glory of Christ as it shines through my own life, that my life fulfilled as I was purposed, created for, is to my greatest joy. That's hard for us to get our minds around, but that is the good work that God's doing in you in 2024. You can be certain of that. <laughs> your, your political party could lose the election. You, you could lose your job. You could lose your health. There's all sorts of things that can happen in 2024, but guess what? This is certain. His work in you will accomplish that. And some of us, he's going to take us kicking and screaming all the way, fighting against our own good because we don't think it's our good. And he's finally going to get us home and say, see, I told you it was for your good. And you're going to spend all of eternity rejoicing in that reality. It is a good work because it is his work and it is because it is accomplishing his good purpose in you and I. Number four, it is a work quote unquote, of God. Philippians 2, 12 through 13, again, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you always obeyed in my presence, not only but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to desire and to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is an interesting play on the word work here in this passage. Uh, your work, your work, when it refers to your work, uh, give, forgive me this brutalization of the Greek here, but it's katergadzomahi. And it means, it does mean to work fully, to accomplish, to do, perform, to work out. And so, so, so none of us gets out of here and says, well, we just sit by passively and God does his work. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. We are engaged in the work. We are working outward. We are working out what is true inwardly. We are engaged. We are performing. We are doing. That's a, that's a Greek word described there. It is a work in which we have an active role. We do and perform. We do work out. But the decisive working, the decisive working is that of God. God's work in this passage that I just cited is energeo. We get our word energy from that, energeo. And listen to his description of that word, active, efficient, to do or be effectual, to be mighty, to show forth oneself. Paul used a different word between your work and his work. He doesn't indicate to me your work's decisive. He just says you're to be at work. You're to be doing, performing, acting, doing all that, working. You're to be doing all that. But God is doing something even more remarkable in you, which is effectual, revealing, mighty, and showing of himself in you. So it's God's work in you. It is a work of God. With God, it is active and efficient. God works effectually and mightily with strength, revealing himself in that work. We can face 2024 assured this work of God will be ongoing in our lives. That's certain. I don't know what's going to happen in 2024, but I know this is going to be happening. God's working like that in your life now today, Christian. And you may be more or less engaged in working in your part, but your work is not the decisive factor. His is. And I'm telling you, he's working in you, believer, today in that decisive and mighty and self-revealing way. And all of us would do well to engage ourselves in the work that he's called us to do as well. Notice as well, it's a, God, it's a work of God in you. 
He will complete this good work in you. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, Paul says, praise for the Ephesians that he would grant them according to the rich of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Where? In the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Everybody can say amen to this one. Though our outer person is decaying. Yes, sir. It sure is. In 2023 and 2024 and beyond will show it in your life. My body is deteriorating daily and so is yours. All you young, healthy, vibrant kids, you think you're on the way up and, and you may be peaking, but you're already deteriorating. You're already deteriorating. Everybody in this room can say amen, but what does he say? Yet, yet, while that's happening, our inner person is being renewed day by day day for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison while we look not at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen why because the things which are seen are temporal the things which are not seen are eternal though the work is in us it is not confined within us but it is manifested in our outward lives we must not deceive ourselves to think that God's work inwardly does not result in outwardly holy lives. Jesus said in John that by abiding in him, we would bear fruit and that this fruit would prove that we were his disciples. So God is at work in us in 2024 and that will be producing in us a, a holiness or a set apartness unto God and it will begin to bear fruit in our lives which itself will give the world evidence that we are indeed the disciples of Christ, that God's work is indeed ongoing in our lives. If you're a Christian, that's going to be happening in your life in 2024, no matter what happens, no matter what happens. It is the work that he will perfect. He will be perfecting or completing. The one who began the work is perfecting and completing that work and will bring it to its perfect conclusion. The same power of God that initiates the work, sustains the work, and assures its result. Yes, we will have work to do in 2024, but the assurance that good work coming to its fulfillment rests in the power of God whose work it is. I, I, I said this to myself in my notes. Larry, he will not relent on you in 2024. He doesn't give up. As stubborn as I can be, sometimes I'd just like to say, Lord, can you, can you take a day off on me? He don't do that. He will not relent, Christian, in your life. Let the world fall as it may. Let it crumble into pieces. The work of God in your life is relentless because God is relentless and faithful to his own covenant. His glory is at stake in that work in you. You know that, right? His own glory is at stake, and he will not relent in displaying his own glory. His instruments may be many in 2024, and his loving hand may at times administer even a firm discipline. But be encouraged, brethren, he disciplines whom he loves. I always joke and said, he must really love me. Because it seems like I'm getting disciplined more than I'm getting encouraged. But the discipline is an encouragement because it demonstrates that I am a son, that I am a child of God, and that, that assures me that his work is ongoing in me. It is an enduring work as well. Paul said that he will be perfecting his work in us until 
the day of Christ. To our encouragement and perhaps at times to our dismay, the work of God is ongoing and relentless. He will not permit the work once begun in us to fall short of its aim. Aren't you? Man, that's shouting ground there. Aren't you rejoicing? You will not fall short of what he began the work for. We're not going to get to glory and, and there's going to be a category of people, well, you're not, you're not quite conformed as much as I'd like to you be conformed to Christ's image. But this group over here is, no, it will not fall short. You will be conformed to Christ's image. And that will tend itself towards your own joy and the glory of God. It's an enduring work. He may work in your life another 50 years or his, way, his work in your life may conclude this very year. Yet whenever he completes it, it will be just as he pleased it should be. That's a great comfort to me. Uh, it removes the fear and anxiety of what 2024 may hold. It, refu it removes even the fear of death. Because if, if death is the, is the gateway that I get into the presence of God and the work gets complete, then I can be assured that the work is going to be finished. Death itself is not going to cease or cause the work to come up short. God will, God will do and bring the work to its completion that he has designed in you and I in 2024. So let 2024 be what it is. The work shall be ongoing in us. And the last one here, it is a work towards completion or ongoing until the day of Christ, he says. The day of Christ. What does he mean by that? Well, it could mean at his return. 1 Corinthians 15, 50, 50 through 52 says this. Now I say this, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I'm telling you a mystery. Listen to this. We will not all sleep. He means dead there. We will not all sleep. But we will be changed in a moment, in fact, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we, who are not dead, will be changed immediately. That is the, that is the completion of the work there. It will happen in a moment. And if, it, if, it, if you go through one route, it's still going to happen. If you happen to be alive, it is returned. It's still going to happen. It's going to happen both ways. And you know I'm going here. My favorite passage, one of my favorite, 1 John 1 or 1 John 3, 3, 2 and 3. Listen carefully to what John says. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be, the fullness or the fulfillment of that. But we know that when he appears... That's what he's just talking about in 1 Corinthians. When he appears, we will be like him because, because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope set on him purifies himself just as he is pure. That's, that's where this is coming. You're going to be changed. That work's going to be completed either at the coming of Christ or at our own putting off of the flesh. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I read this a lot at funerals, and it's true. But Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed. By the way, they were concerned because they had loved ones in Christ who died, and they were waiting on the return of Christ. And they're thinking to themselves, oh, my goodness, they missed it. They're not going to be here when he comes back, and they're going to miss heaven. And Paul says, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as indeed the rest of mankind do who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, so also God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. 
For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And he concludes that passage with, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. That doesn't sound like an uncertainty to me. Now, when you put that verse all back together and you put it as the epitaph over 2023 and over 2024, it brings a lot of concrete under my feet and steel in my spine as a Christian. Hear it again as we close. For I am confident that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. Confident. That's not wishy-washy. That's not maybe, that's not conditional upon how things unfold in 2024. That is, in spite of all those things, this is the ground truth of our encouragement in 2024. And to be honest, it was the ground of any encouragement I found in 2023 as well. Because after everything has said and done and all has come and gone at the end of 2023, I remember that that was, what, that was where I've been standing all along. And were it not for that work of God ongoing in me, I would have succumbed to all the temptations and all the discouragements and all the trials of 2023. And I'll do the same in 2024 if this is not where I stand and that's what the Lord has on my heart as we go into 2024. I never dreamed we would, we would see the borders of Israel invade, invaded and infants murdered in front of their parents and thrown into ovens and mayhem in Israel. I never dreamed we would see university presidents that could not condemn the actions of Hamas uh, as anti-Semitism. Stunned this year when I saw a Supreme Court justice nominee who could not define what a woman is. I mean, our nation is just spiraling downwardly. And if you don't have somewhere to stand, you're going to be overwhelmed and overcome with despair. This is where we stand, believer. And if you're an unbeliever and you're already feeling overcome, come to Christ. This is where you can find a place to stand. And he will never, never change. He is immutable. He is faithful always. And as we, uh, someone gave my mom a Christmas present this year and they'd pasted uh, a collage or whatever on a piece of wood and it was, the, it was the words to the hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. And that's her theme song. She wants it sung at her funeral and, and I believe she'd even let me sing it. But that's true. In 2024, have you decided to follow Jesus? Have I decided to follow Jesus? Let's do that in 2024. And thank God he puts us together as a body to do it together. Stand with me. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it is true we live in a dark world. And as I shared Wednesday night, there are those who believe that America is already under your judgment. But Father, even under the judgment, of this world, you can sustain the Christian whose heart is set steadfast on you. The psalmist calls you his refuge. Lord, you are that to us. 
Lord, thank you for the certainty of the work continuing in us if we're alive in this world, if we're taking another breath, whatever circumstances may unfold in that very next moment, so long as there is life in this world, that work is ongoing. And Lord, I thank you that you don't give up on us. Lord, that you don't decide that we're too stubborn and we're too stiff-necked and we're too rebellious for the work to ever be accomplished. Father, you are relentless in bringing us to completion into the conformity with Christ. Father, thank you for that great mercy. And Lord, I pray that we'll be a church that is marked by that transformation here in our community as well. Lord, help us to love and help us to, to live as Christ would live. Help us to love as he would love. Help us to speak truth as he would speak truth. Help us to suffer as he would suffer. Help us to die as he died. Lord, we commend this coming year to you. It is yours. You have numbered our days. And so, Father, we just pray that Christ's name might be exalted and magnified in 2024, that there might be revival even in the midst of judgment. First and foremost for the church and then for our nation and then for our world. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.